welcome to the podcast, HR from Happy Valley. We are Team Bulldogs. My name is Connor Evans. I'm from Pittsburgh, PA. I'm a golf management major. After I graduate, I'm moving out to Colorado Springs to work at a golf course where I look forward to hopefully living in a van. I'm going to pass it off to my teammate, Eileen, to hear more about her. Hi, everyone. I'm Eileen. I'm a junior here at Penn State studying hospitality management. Um, outside of school, I like to dance, and I also am a proud dog mom. Um, I'm going to be passing it off to Kyle. Hello, everyone. My name is Kyle Hargreaves, and I'm currently a senior studying professional golf management at Penn State. I look forward to my internship in the Hamptons this summer and also graduating. Outside of golf, I would say my favorite hobby is watching and discussing movies and TV shows. Now we're here for my other teammate, Connor. Thanks, Kyle. Hello, everyone. My name is Connor Galitzer. I'm a senior here at Penn State and also a PGM major. After college, I hope to move out west and um, work at a golf course. And my favorite things to do outside school and work is to be outside and go to the gym. And now we will hear from our final group member, Adele. Thank you, Connor. My name is Adele, and I'm a junior studying hospitality management. And one day after I graduate, I hope to work in the meeting and events sector, hopefully at the Hilton outside of school. I also like to go to the gym, like Connor said, and snowboard. Awesome. Well, today in our podcast, can be broken up into two parts. It's going to be a here's the buzz pitch where we talk about articles from uh, HR in the news. And then the other is going to be a tattoo debate about tattoos in the workplace. And we'll now transition into the what's the buzz. My name is Connor Evans. I'm from Here's Something to Think About Desk. And I'm going to be doing an article about freedom for Starbucks workers. So my article is from Nation Restaurant News, and it talks about Starbucks and Janice Buffalo becoming the second Starbucks store to become unionized. This was big news for the employees as they feel like they can have a voice in the workspace now. The employees want fair contracts for all partners, and they want Starbucks attempts to stop stores, not only in Buffalo, but across the U.S. from becoming ununionized. Becoming unionized was no easy task for the employees, as Starbucks was not all for the idea. And during the voting process for making the unionized workforce, there were six employees that were asked not even to work in the company anymore. After all this was found out and settled, employees were approved for making a union. Um, from an HR standpoint, this is not good to see. There's a big divide between what the employees want and what upper management wants. This can cause some problems down the road leading to even worse things for Starbucks. Some employees even saying that other stores should not have to endure as what we just did to get a voice in the workplace. That being said, Starbucks does have 10 days to file for a request for review in which case, if the review is granted, then the unionization will be given another look. If the review is denied, then the results will be finalized and Janice Buffalo location will be the, have a unionized workforce. Hearing this news has spurred multiple other stores across the US to file for unionization and take down the efforts of Starbucks from this from happening. I'll pass it now over to Eileen to hear about her article. Hi everyone, I'm Eileen and I'm gonna be reporting from the desk something everyone should care about. Let's talk about burned out workers in hospitality. I read an article called, Why Are Workers Fleeing the Hospitality Se Sector? It is from The Economist and um, it talks about burnout. So apparently there are 7,000 hospitality workers on average each month in the past year who have quit their jobs. That means the quit 
uh, and leisure rate has raised a whole percentage point to now be 6.4%. The main reason people are leaving is because of burnout. Data collected by Glassdoor and an employment portal found that employees rate the hospitality sector as one of the worst for work-life balances, which makes sense. When do you ever go into a restaurant and see a happy server who doesn't, who isn't working all night or all morning? Very true. Um, so this job is physically taxing, poorly paid, and unpredictable because of uncertain schedules and a lack of control over time. This leaves employees obviously feeling burned out, and with burnout comes everybody wanting to leave their job. This leaves um, and hospitality workers to have less turnover um, and other jobs to be able to poach our workers. Uh, large retailers such as Amazon and Target, which require many of the similar skills, are poaching hospitality staff because of this. They are offering non-cash perks like subsidized college education, parental leave, and career advancement most of which a lot of restaurants or hotels can't afford. So what does this mean? This means that the hospitality industry is losing its workers to big companies. We can't afford to pay them and people are just overall unhappy. Now that is enough on employee burnout. Let's hear from Kyle and his article. Thank you for that, Eileen. And I couldn't agree with you more on your uh, pitch there. I will be covering the here's the something important desk, and these are the trends and predictions that will change the workplace forever. The article I researched is from Forbes, and it is the four top HR trends and predictions for 2022. It's by Heidi Lynn Curter, and the article came out December 28th in 2021. Companies and HR teams have faced unique challenges, including the great recognition, shifting to remote and hybrid work models, new compliance issues, increased burnout, mental health issues, and figuring out how to attract and retain talent. Employees are now demanding transparency more from employers. The four top trends are artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. mental health and COVID-19 fatigue, strategic and innovative recruitment strategies, and complex compliance challenges. The main takeaway from the article is that the workplace is evolving and interaction between employees and managers is changing. In the article, I found the third trend particularly interesting with innovative and strategic recruitment strategies because employees will no longer work for minimum wage. Instead, employees need to increase wages and benefits to obtain and retain employees. New strategies are also being rolled out like social media marketing for new candidates and university partnerships for new employees fresh out of school. The information I just presented is useful for practicing managers because they, they can take these trends and predictions and implicate them in their own practice. For example, the second trend is mental health and COVID-19 fatigue, and that's crucial in today's age. Managers need to realize people are prioritizing their mental health and COVID just added to the existing mental health issues. Different HR strategies and methods need to be in place to help combat mental health issues in the workplace. Also, managers need to be there for their employees concerning mental health, especially if they're missing work because of it. That's all I have from the Here's Something Important desk. Now we'll hear from Connor about the What's Cool desk. Thanks, Kyle. Hello, everyone. My name is Connor Gallitzer, and I'm reporting from the Here's What's Cool desk. The article that I reviewed is titled Three Ways the Digital Revolution is Impacting HR, and was taken from Inc.com and published by Rebecca Baldridge on March 5th, 2018. This article focuses on the accelerating rate that change is occurring in business and the greater society through technological advancements 
whether on Zoom or for work meetings or in the field advancements that affect the company or even the hiring process, technology will play a role in all of these processes. It also talks about people analytics and being able to collect data that drives performance, being able to leverage that and then in order to succeed and select the correct candidate for the position. Most companies are still using old fashioned processes for time and labor intensive talent acquisitions and management tasks. Technology will play a huge role in HR over the next couple of years, and it will be extremely important for companies to take advantage of these new processes to save time and money. I thought this was cool because it's very relevant to our generation. We are very savvy with technology, and I believe that we will be the ones that have the biggest impact on HR being run and connected by technology in the future. That's all from my desk, and now we'll hear from Adele. Thank you, Connor, and it was very cool listening to how technology is impacting our industry. Um, for my article and my desk, I chose what's innovative and five ways to fix your diversity, equity, and inclusion program by Gal Almag, and it was published September 8, 2021. I chose this article because there have been many changes in the industry due to the pandemic and recent events. I know that diversity and inclusion has been a constant concern in our workplace for a long time, so I wanted to find out about what businesses are doing differently. I think this article is innovative because it talks about how leaders are thinking more about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and ways to follow, follow up verbal commitments with actions. Many leaders are overlooking important DEI metrics and are making decisions based on faulty or incomplete data, causing them to miss out on the benefits of having a diverse and equitable and inclusive company. So this article talked about some ways to fix it. One of them would be to not be afraid of using new technology. This would be to utilize the new, the new recruiting technologies that are coming out and helping companies address these roadblocks through functions that predict and fill in relevant skills and qualifiers that may be missing from diverse candidates' profiles. Another one would be to set goals and share them with your employees. It's very important to see transparent objectives and share them with your employees. Industry benchmarks and rich data can help you find goals you're comfortable with, and this allows you to monitor your progress regularly. Another one would be to eliminate bias and bottlenecks. This would be to remove photos and names from resumes, and this would help ensure diverse candidates aren't being eliminated due to conscious or unconscious biases. Managers need to apply these new tactics so that they don't miss out on great employees. Using these practices, managers will be able to find individuals who are most qualified for the job, regardless of their backgrounds. All right, that is all from me. And now we will get into a little roundtable discussion. So my first question is going to be for Connor. How do you feel about Starbucks being unionized? I believe it's an amazing thing for Starbucks. Um, Starbucks not having a voice or control over their lives is obviously not a good thing. Although being a Starbucks barista is not the highest up job you can have, you should be able to voice your opinion uh, about something that's going on in the workplace and kind of control your life. So being unionized and giving people a voice is a, is a great thing, in my opinion. I agree. Eileen, I have a question for you. We're kind of going, we are all kind of going into HR in some sort of way. And I know you want to work in a hotel. You think you might be poached out of the industry or do you see yourself still being in the industry 10 years from now, we'll say? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I love hospitality and I love hotel work, but I do experience burnout myself simply because I don't know how to say no. 
So if I plan on staying in the industry, I just have to put up those boundaries, learning how to say no. Um, and I think every worker should do that because we put ourselves into the industry so much. Hello, we are hospitality people. We live for the people. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's easy to, um, to say yes all the time. And you just got to learn to say no and be happy with your decision and not feel bad so that you can be happy with your job later in the years and not feel that burnout. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, um, Connor, my question for you is, have you felt technology, um, have you felt that technology has influenced how you've been hired? Um, I would say not so much in the past. Um, I think that it's going to play a huge role in the future for sure for all of us um, and seeing what technological advancements um, kind of play into um, gaining information that you can't get from just a face-to-face -face interview. Um, so I think that especially our generation will see it a lot um, you know, when we get out of college and, and get into the workforce and um, are getting interviewed for those first couple jobs because they want to really see um, kind of deeper down what we're made of and um, what qualities we have that'll, you know, kind of fit that position. So uh, definitely, yeah, definitely in the future, um, but not so much um, in the past as much. Definitely. Yeah, Zoom is a big thing nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now I'll ask Kyle. Um, out of all of the HR trends that you had covered, which one do you think is most relevant to our generation and will play the biggest role in the future? That's yeah, a good question there, Connor. Um, I would say that mental health and COVID-19 fatigue are the most important uh, because, you know, we're still in this pandemic, living through it every day, and people are now uh, making their mental health a priority, and the workforce needs to understand this and adhere to it. So my question is, Adele, how can these tactics be beneficial to managers? Yeah, thank you, Kyle. Uh, these tactics can be beneficial to managers because um, there has been a problem with diversity in the past. And if we utilize these tactics and the new technologies, we'll be able to choose the best employees for all these different positions without being biased. All right. Thank you for uh, listening to our Here's the Buzz pitches. Uh, we enjoyed talking about these articles a lot, and I hope you guys did too. We'll now transition into the hot topics. We'll discuss tattoos in the workplace. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're going to move into our hot topics pitch where we'll be discussing tattoos in the workplace. My name is Connor Evans, and I'm pro tattoos in the workplace, and I'll pass it off to my partner, Eileen. Hi everyone, I'm Eileen. I'm also pro tattoos in the workplace. Uh, now let's hear from the opposing side, Connor. Hello everyone, my name is Connor and I am against tattoos in the workplace and I will pass it over to my partner, Kyle. Hello everyone, I'm Kyle and I am against tattoos in the workplace. Now we're here from our facilitator, Adele. Hi everyone, I'm Adele, I'm the facilitator, and I'll start this debate off with a little bit of history about tattoos in the workplace. So tattoos have a controversial reputation and are seen as inappropriate in the workplace, largely because they have been associated with criminal activity in the past. However, as more tattooed people enter the workforce, many employers don't think tattoos are as important. This raises the question, how do words or images on a person's skin determine whether or not that person is worthy of being called a professional? Due to the growing popularity of, of tattoos, businesses struggle to figure out how to incorporate them into their dress code due to the endless scenarios that exist about them. 
People tend to look at tattoos in the workplace through a right or wrong lens, when in reality, there is no concrete answer as to what defines appropriate tattoos for employers. It is a common trend that employers tend to not favor people with tattoos because they do not want to risk having a negative image and scaring away their customers, but this has proven to come at a cost. Employers are missing out on exceptional employees by discriminating against tattoos. In addition, tattoos allow a person to express themselves. When an employee is allowed to display their tattoos at their workplace, they may feel more valued as, in, as individuals. According to a 22 study by Marja Kovetsky, 60% of people aged 60 and older find tattoos inappropriate in the workplace, while only 22% of people ages 18 to 25 think they are inappropriate. Times are changing and there's a need for a discussion. With that being said, we will now hear from my team members about their perspectives on tattoos in the workplace. Alrighty, so me and Kyle are going to be de debating the health reasons why tattoos should be allowed and um, why they shouldn't be allowed. Um, so I'll, I'll start us off here. Um, most employers do not like when their employees get sick with common infections such as a cold, as it is often not serious and causes employees to miss time off work. According to a study done by Alabama University, having multiple tattoos can actually strengthen your immune system. This is because when someone first gets a tattoo, the lining of the stomach that is used to fight off a common infection rapidly disappears, uh, similar to what happens when a cold tries to enter your body. The lining of the stomach uh, eventually builds itself back up, and after getting more and more tattoos, the lining slowly starts to lose less and less of itself. This means that people with more tattoos experience a lesser drop of lining compared to someone that doesn't, which helps fight off colds much easier. That's a really interesting point, Connor. I had no idea that tattoos could strengthen your immune system. Kyle, are there any negative health risks that tattoos can cause? Yeah, there actually is. Although it may cause you to be protected against these common diseases, tattoos are also a health risk. Multiple things can go wrong with getting a tattoo, including allergic reactions, skin infections, and blood-borne diseases. Allergic reactions are of the most common, and with tattoos being permanent, irritation can last years or even a lifetime. This then leads to employees having to take more time off of work to recover from themselves. In the long run, this hurts the employer just as much as it does the employee. It's recorded that 6% of people experience complications from getting a tattoo from the Mayo Clinic. I know this number is low, but more and more people are getting tattoos every year, so these numbers will continue to increase as the years go on, leading to more time off for employees and hurting the employer even further. You make a good point. Connor, do you think that the 6% of people who experience complications will become a problem with the popularity increase of tattoos? Personally, I do not. Uh, like you stated, it's only 6% of people with tattoos that actually end up getting infected. Um, this is such a low number of people, and with the rise in popularity of tattoos comes a rise in aftercare products. According to an article by AP News, they did a market research study across six regions, which shows that there is a significant rise of aftercare companies being built, focusing on providing a good treatment plan for new and old tattoos. With this rise in aftercare and tattoo artists being more vigilant about telling their customers what to do when they get home, I personally do not believe that the 6% of people that experience infected tattoos will rise with the increased popularity, meaning not too many people missing time away from work because of it. That makes sense. What do you think about this, Kyle? 
Studies have shown that people do not use their sick days unless incentivized, making the employees less productive and less motivated. Also, when people get a tattoo, it's a costly investment, so people don't want to have to buy expensive aftercare products to help maintain their tattoos. It's a stereotype, and unfortunately, it's a stereotype that is true, and that's customers react negatively to those with tattoos. The preconceived notions about those with tattoos are being more rebellious, having lower levels of intelligence, having a criminal background, and just overall laziness. So what would it even matter if employees are showing up more in the workspace if the customer base is going to react negatively to those with tattoos? This is all true, and unfortunately, we have to try to change those stereotypes in the workplace. Um, but I still believe that it can be done, and uh, hopefully very soon here. That uh, change will be made. Thank you, Connor and Kyle, for sharing your interesting stance on the health risks associated with tattoos. Now we will be hearing from Connor and Eileen to hear their arguments. Hi, everyone. So I am pro tattoos, and we're going to be talking about why tattoos are good for people, for companies. Um, so U.S. figures dating from 2006 show that 38% of U.S. Hispanics and 28% of African Americans have tattoos. This therefore promotes diversity in a company and helps them reach their goals of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Yeah, that's a great point, Eileen. Um, unfortunately, with a wide demographic of people with tattoos, some people have tattoos that could be considered offensive and vulgar. Since companies usually have a wide range of customer demographics, it is very challenging to have tattoos that might not offend certain people. And this can lead to distractions and limited productivity within the workspace. Eileen, do you think that there can be racial discrimination related to individuals with tattoos? Um, that's a tricky question. From the statistics stated earlier, um, of people of color that have tattoos, that leaves only 22% Caucasians with tattoos. Um, this leads to the conclusion that discriminating against tattoo professionals can lead to reduced diversity in the workplace regarding both ethnical and racial diversity. While, while allowing tattooed individuals in the workplace, will prevent discrimination against other cultures, races, and ethnicities, which again, statistically have more tattoos. So with the, the statistics in mind, I can see why there would be discrimination, but the numbers are very different. So there's nothing we can really do. All right, that makes sense. What do you think about this statistic, Connor? Yeah, I think Eileen made a great point and it's obviously um, a tough conversation. I think that although certain races and ethnicities that Eileen has stated do have more tattoos, um, the largest part of the U.S. workforce is made up predominantly of Caucasians just simply due to the larger population. Um, white people alone make up almost 77% of the U.S. population, and among that, around 61% of those individuals are working. This means that the majority of people with tattoos that are working are Caucasian, um, and this means that accepting tattoos obviously does promote diversity, but statistically could work against minorities and people of color in America. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so um, enough about diversity. Um, let's talk about how tattoos affect customers. Tattoos don't not really affect the customer like they used to. In fact, it can bring in customers. Um, the same way industries can hire based on looks in order to attract customers and that not be a form of discrimination, as long as it is inclusive, allowing tattoos tattooed employees can bring in customers and or keep customers more than it will drive customers away. Andrew Timming of the University of St. Andrews told the Daily Mail, body art can be seen as an asset in the labor market, as long as an applicant's tattoos are compatible with the organization's wider brand personality. That's a great point. I think that body art can also be seen as a liability. 
From an article written by Connect US, it states that Montana and New Mexico has the largest percentage of people with tattoos. People who live in the South Central West are 50% less likely to have tattoos, and this could bring a difficulty for businesses that want to work together and may find it a struggle to expand their brand message beyond their region. That's an interesting point, Connor. Do you think that body art can be seen as a liability, Eileen? Um, I don't think so. People may think that this is limited based on the industry, like Connor said. Um, it might make it harder for businesses, but customers don't see tattoos as a problem. For example, it is known that the service industry may be more lenient than other fields, such as the medical field, but that isn't necessarily the case. A study showed that 1,000 emergency care adult patients would give the same high marks for doctors 75% of the time, whether or not they had visible piercings and tattoos. The study concluded that despite the unfavorable view towards tattoos in the medical field, patients actually don't mind consulting a physician with visible body tattoos. That's a great point. Um, an article published in October of 2019 by Connect US stated that at least 40% of workers feel that the presence of tattoos creates a poor reflection for the employer and the percentage of people who feel that visible tattoos are inappropriate for work is even higher. I think that there's a lot of controversy over this topic and eliminating tattoos in the workplace could um, solve some of these problems in the long run. Yeah, I completely agree, guys. And thank you, Connor and Eileen, for sharing your positions and your opinions on this controversial topic. And thank you, everyone and our listeners for being here today and listening to our perspectives on tattoos in the workplace. We will now have another roundtable discussion. Awesome. Um, so I know from like my own personal experience, I've had some uh, discrimination uh, about having tattoos. Like my internship this summer, I'm not, I have to cover all that up. I was just wondering if anyone else um, experienced anything like that. Yeah, um, I worked as a hostess last summer, and although it's not a very high position, it's actually, I think, known that in the positions where you're working front desk and as a hostess and as a server, it's actually more important because those are the people you're interacting with every day. So I actually was not allowed to have tattoos visible on my arm, and I do have two, so I had to cover those up as well. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the placement of tattoos has a lot to do with this conversation. And, um, you know, if there's somewhere where um, they're going to be covered, where you're dressed like professionally, you should be fine. Um, I was actually just in a tattoo shop at home and some girl was getting a tattoo on her neck as her first tattoo. So um, it definitely has a lot to do with decision um, and, you know, the job that you think you'll work in the future and, and how the tattoo will affect that. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I definitely think the type of job you're going into, like working at those upper echelon places like the Ritz or something, you know, they're gonna, always going to have those standards of covering tattoos and not allowing them in the workplace and stuff. But I feel like as we go on through the years, this uh, outdated topic won't really be too much of an issue and hopefully we'll be more inclusive in the future to those with tattoos. Yeah, I agree with you, Kyle. Um... I think that as time goes by and um, people get more lenient with this issue, I think that people will be way more open to having tattoos in the workplace. Yeah, even now, I feel like the topic isn't really researched enough anymore because people slowly are starting to not care as much. Um, there really aren't that many recent statistics that we could find. And even in your like 
in the workforce, you can notice like Disney's changing their policies regarding tattoos and Disney's a strict place. Same with Universal, they're changing their policies. Um, I'm sure other places also are, but this just goes to show that people, more people are getting tattoos and businesses have to um, adjust because otherwise they're not really gonna have workers. Definitely, I couldn't agree with all you more. It ain't the truth. <laughs> yeah. Thank you everyone for coming and listening to our podcast today. We had a lot of fun um, kind of researching these articles and talking about it with uh, my fellow group members here. Um, I know I definitely learned a lot from not only my own articles, but hearing other people's. I know Connor Goetzer, he, uh, his article about technology and how it affects interviews was, was very interesting. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun um, listening to everyone at this table's topic. And, you know, I think a lot of things that we talked about today are slightly controversial. Um, so for anyone who's listening, just challenge you to think about um, kind of what we talked about and um, how it affects your life. If you have tattoos, if you don't have tattoos, if you um, have ever been in a position where possibly it was, you know, discriminated or, um, you know, you found yourself in a kind of awkward position because that's um, hopefully the topics that we discussed today. So um, yeah, I had a lot of fun and I'll pass it over to someone else here and um, then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, thank you, Connor. Um, I have to agree with you guys. I thought it was very cool and interesting to hear both sides of the tattoo um, debate. I think that both sides made very valid points. I liked hearing about the health issues because that's something I never heard about before. Um, I also liked hearing about how it um, impacts diversity and how people like to express themselves with tattoos. So I enjoyed hearing about that as well. Um, along with all of our articles, I really learned a lot. So I had a lot of fun and I can't wait for the next time that we meet and I'll pass it off over to Eileen. Yeah, thanks Adele. Um, I really enjoyed this discussion. My favorite parts of this was definitely the round table because I got to hear everybody's opinions. Um, I learned a lot. We talked about controversial subjects like Connor said, and um, it is very important to keep in mind these issues um, in HR. Um, HR is all around us, it's in everything that we do. So keep that in mind. Even if you don't work it, you all will experience it. Um, so I'd like to pass it over to Kyle. Yeah, thank you for that, Eileen. I think you bring up a very good point where if you're ever not gonna be working in HR, you know you're gonna have to deal with it at some point. I think it brings me back to my, here's the buzz um, articles with the four top HR trends predictions, because we're just gonna have to keep living through those as we go on um, and we'll experience it. So thank you everyone for coming. I'm Kyle. I'm Adele. I'm Connor. I'm also Connor. I'm Eileen. And we're the Bulldogs. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Let's go. See you next time. All right. Good job, everyone.